Straw Hut Media. When's the last time you had an honest conversation about sex? If you're overdue, you're in luck, because we're going to spend today's episode talking with gay proctologist Dr. Evan Goldstein about sex, specifically anal sex. So if it's important to you to have great, healthy, fun sex involving your partner's butt or yours, today's episode of Pride is for you. Be advised, though, we will be going into deep detail. After all, how can you talk about healthy sex if you're afraid to analyze it head on? Or in this case, from behind. Dr. Goldstein and I will talk about douching, lube, enemas, and ultimately how being open, honest, and educated about our health makes for better sex and healthier relationships. We'll even look at a few photos from the pristine to the weathered, so hold on to your butts, listeners. This is going to be fun. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. introduce yourself. Sure. I am Dr. Evan Goldstein, uh, an anal surgeon, both here in Beverly Hills and New York, which is where I started. In 2010, Dr. Goldstein founded Bespoke Surgical, a first-of-its-kind health practice specializing in queer men's sexual health and wellness. He started in New York and expanded to LA in 2016. But before he found his calling, he was in the closet, married to a woman, and unsure exactly where to focus his practice. Um, and I chose to go into cardiac surgery. And I was miserable. I hated it. Everybody was dying. And I was like, what is this? And I'm finally out. I'm happy. I'm with my current partner, Andy. Um, and I said, who's actually providing medicine to the gay community? And I started to look around and I was like, wow, it's interesting. Nobody is actually doing that. Um, and the reality to me was, well, we're in such a new space for medicine. How do we work in the surgical world to figure out how do we take care of communities and how do we do it better? How do we educate? How do we know what procedures are the right procedures to be done? How do we instill empowerment to, into communities? And because I was kind of feeling empowered myself, I said, I want to take this on as a mission. And that was what spawned Bespoke Surgical. It took around eight years to get things up and running in his New York office. He spent a lot of time engaging with the gay community and working to understand his patients' needs and wants so that he could, as he says, make booties better. Um, and people were coming to me from all over uh, injured or not knowing the right ways to engage or having problems with their partners um, and trying to figure out how do we put that all together and surgically treat that so people can get better and engage the way that they want to. So back then you identified as straight before all of this. I guess. I mean, I was like, going back and forth. It? I mean, I was always going back and forth. I mean, once you're into penis, I mean, I think you're always into it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but with that said, um, it was, you know, at the time I, I, I could be fluid. I mean, I think at the time it was really important for me to be with her. Um, it was a symbiotic relationship between the two of us. Um, and it helped her get to where she was. And it also helped me. And, and I think obviously that needed to end because it wasn't fair um, on, on that accord for her. Uh, but it 
brought me into a really amazing space of my life. Um, I met Andy, who's my current partner now, 14 years. We have two boys together. And I'm able to kind of create this new niche of surgical science specifically for the gay man, which I which I really think is so awesome. Um, it's, it allows me to get up every day, meet people like you and communicate and use kind of social media and popular press to really start talking about these issues that were so closeted for so many years. And I think one of the interesting things when you think about HIV per se, currently right now, our generation is actually the first generation of out gay men living life. And that is such an interesting thing when you think about it, because there's so much responsibility for that, because nobody actually knows what that means or what it is to be an out gay man in 2019-20, specifically from an education perspective, a science perspective, uh, from a life perspective, relationship perspective. Um, and so me trying to use Bespoke Surgical and now Future Method, and we'll go into that, um, to really empower all of us to say, hey, this is where we are, this is who we are, and how do we now make sure that we're having fruitful engagements, whether that's physical or mental or whatnot, um, and making sure that everything is as risk-free as we possibly can make it. Something we should probably get out of the way now is our terminology. There are a lot of words we could use to talk about the topic at hand, but it doesn't feel quite right to say anus or rectum. Those are too clinical. Asshole is okay, but maybe a little crude. Butthole feels a bit childish. So we're going to settle on Dr. Goldstein's preferred terminology. Whole. So do you actually ask people like, do you say whole? I say whole a lot. I like whole. Don't you like whole? I do. <laughs> I know you like hole. I mean, hole is really fun. As you can probably guess, Dr. Goldstein sees a lot of holes, both in person, at his private practice, and in photos from current and prospective patients. When he receives a photo, he always asks if the photo was taken with an iPhone. Dr. Goldstein says there's a 25% standard deviation of error with the older iPhones, meaning he can't necessarily tell if what he's looking at is accurate, which led us to another very important bit of terminology. So I get a lot of Belfies all the time. That's what you call them, Belfies? Well, well, we didn't know what to call it because like, it is an ass selfie or it's like a butt selfie. So we're like, oh, is it a Belfie? So we're going to hashtag that <laughs> for sure. Send me your Belfies. Um, and so you get all of them random and some of them are like really amazing and some of them are not so amazing. And then sometimes I ask people to send them to me post-surgery if there's a complication or something like that so I could see what's going on. Why are you laughing? Because it's nuts. Can you, really quick, can you define, what is a Belfie? Define it. Okay. A Belfie is an ass selfie. And I see a lot of ass every single day. And people send me their ass all the time. Is it good? Is it not? What does it look like? Things like that. Um, and it's really hard to do a Belfie. How do you do them? I kind of, <laughs> I think it just depends upon where I am. If I'm in the bathroom and I'm looking like, you know, then it's, I think it's under the legs is probably the easiest. Yeah. But again, I told you, that's why I asked you about your new iPhone, because the old iPhones, they erroneously make your ass 25% worse than what it is. <laughs> so that was why I was asking about your new iPhone. 
Great for the Belfie. Great for the Belfie. That is a commercial for iPhone right there. I think it would be. Like on a billboard? Right on sunset. Shot with the iPhone 11. (laughs) Pro. Pro. Oh my. It would work. It would work. Where is Tim Cook when you need him? Right. He would probably love the Belfie. I think he would. Tim Cook, we're talking to you. DM us on Instagram if you want to get in on this Belfie action. It's a great opportunity for a partnership. Okay, so back to the backside. I asked Dr. Goldstein to share a photo of an unhealthy hole with me for scientific purposes. That's a bad one. (laughs) Do you see that? Is that a normal looking asshole? Do you think that is? Are you sure that's what that is? That is. What happened to that one? This is like long-standing hemorrhoids, sitting, flying, pushing, wrong pooping, wrong sex. Is that fucked up? Yeah, that looks like cauliflower. Yes, but that's not warts. So like a lot of that would be in thought warts. And then I fixed him. This is like right post-surgery. You see? Much more normal. What do you think? Prettier, right? Much prettier. Right. It's getting there. I hope I never have the first one. I know. But now he's got a normal hole. Great. And he's happy. Look at that. (laughs) You're changing lives. Trying one hole at a time. As the preeminent expert and thought leader in the field of gay proctology, Dr. Goldstein's commitment is to spread education and awareness about queer men's sexual health and to eliminate the stigma attached to it. He serves as the advocate sexual health expert, is a regular contributor to Gays with Kids, and has been featured in Vice, Out Magazine, and Refinery29. I think the issue comes down to is when you look at gay culture and sexual activity, it's so different than any other sexual activity that's out there. And the reality is that most non-gay proctologists don't understand anal engagement from a sexual perspective. And it's not that I blame them. They weren't trained in it. They don't take it up the ass. They don't give it up the ass. um, And they just don't get it, right? Um, And when you're analyzing sex, especially anally, it's very traumatic, right? And we talk about like preparing for sex, engaging in sex, and how do you take care of things from post-sex perspective. Um, And Nobody talks about gay sex. Nobody understands it. Nobody puts it out there to say, hey, this is what people are doing. How do we support those communities with the education curriculums so that they can minimize risk and then products to substantiate that? Um, And that is the difference. A lot of old school proctology does not take into account whether or not you want to engage anally. It only cares about, are you shitting the right way? And that mentality screws so many of the community because there's not enough gay proctologists or people that are talking about it or understand it to actually perform these surgeries that I see so many people from all over the world, second, third opinions, they've had surgeries, it's failed, they still can't engage the way that they want to. And I tell people all the time, if you are at a proctologist's office and they do not ask you how you identify or do you identify, and do if they don't ask you how do you engage and they don't talk about sexual practices, walk out. <laughs> because the reality is that they have no concept of where you want to go. 
Um, and so that's where the empowerment of what we're trying to do is to educate everybody to say, hey, I now know what is expected and what should be standard of care as a gay man or as someone that engages annually, and then now be able to get the appropriate treatments. What I do is not difficult. Um, a lot of it is actually the same thing from a proctology perspective, but it's also then knowing from the post-operative course, how are we going to get people where they want to go? Is it they want fingers, toys? Do they want cocks? What do they want? Do they want fisting? How far are we going to push this? Because at the end of the day, yes, it's a hole, right? We talk about holes, but it's supposed to be for pooping, right? And now we're using it as a conduit for sexual expression and for great sensations, but it's also quite traumatic to do that. And how are we going to now create safe spaces for people to talk about it and then also have solutions so that people are able to actually go back to what they want or start what they want? Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Compose yourself. Sorry. <laughs> My previous meetings with you were not this colorful. If you've gotten a bit giggly throughout this episode, you're not alone. It isn't often that I get to have a frank discussion about balloon knots. It was hard enough coming up with a term to use, and obviously I haven't stuck to it completely. So take a minute, compose yourself, and when we come back, we'll hear about Dr. Goldstein's three pillars of whole health. The Bespoke Surgical Philosophy has three pillars of sexual health and wellness, prevention, restoration, and reconstruction. One is prevention, is how are we creating the education and the curriculum so people do not injure themselves, right? Um, prevention also looks at how do we risk assess and bring people's risks down from an STD perspective. Now there's a lot of prophylactic stuff that people can do with the use of doxycycline prophylactically to lower your risk of STDs, similar from a PrEP perspective of using Truvada and soon to be some others um, to minimize risk and just analyzing sex practices so that you know, hey, there's a place that's non-judgmental that does not create any bias that you are able to say, this is what I enjoy or this is what I want to do. How are we now going to make sure you're doing it as safely as possible? And also understanding that what you do impacts the community. And so knowing that if we're able to treat you or bring your risk down, we're obviously going to be bringing the risk down of the community. And I think that that's what's so important of all of this because it could be you're, you know, you're at hole I'm in or someone else's hole I'm in. And at the end of the day, it, it's, a, it's a compounding variable. Um, so from a prevention, also we look at uh, HPV, which is super common in our community, to preventing anal cancers. And we do a lot of annual vi uh, visits with anal pap smears and swabbing and all of that. So I think the prevention is just the empowerment. And then when you look at restoration and you look at the aesthetic side of things, I break it down into functional issues and then also the aesthetics. Aesthetics is huge. You know, people want it to look pretty. Um, and you'll, you're going to ask me what's the prettiest asshole I've ever seen, I know. But with that said, people want it 
to feel good, but they also want it to look good. And it becomes this as a bottom, it becomes very, you become very self-conscious, especially if you're hooking up with someone and someone's like, well, what is that? Or, oh, I don't want to eat you, or I don't want to play with you, or I don't want to do all these things. Um, and it's you be, it really takes a toll on a bottom, especially if that is your world, right? Um, I'm at dinner parties all the time and people always ask me, well, what do you do? And then Andy, my partner is always like, oh shit, here we go. And then because, and people don't get it, especially in the straight world. And sometimes I even have to say to a woman, I'll be like, well, what if I were to just take your vagina and make it non-functional? What would you do? Like it'd be catastrophic. I said, yeah, it's the same thing for a gay man that engages anally, right? It's catastrophic if it's off the table, right? So aesthetics are an issue. How do we make it look prettier? But then also, how do we make it functional? So there are some tops that would love to bottom, but their holes are too tight. I see a lot of weightlifters, bodybuilders, people that are building their glutes and making beautiful butts, but it actually hinders their anal intercourse. Um, I see tops that had issues when they were younger, just from defecating. We all drink and didn't poop the right way during college. And so what happens is you get cuts and tags and hemorrhoids and all these other things that then are friction points from a sex perspective where they can't engage anally. And they want to, but it's too painful or they bleed. And so the functional side is now saying, hey, how do we get you back to what you want or get you to start what you want? So I do a lot of work with Botox to relax muscles, relax the skin. I do a lot of surgeries to remove extra skin or hemorrhoids or things that are impeding the flow per se. Um, and then obviously doing that also puts it into the aesthetic part of how do we get it to be functional, but then also look appetizing and, and sexy for everybody. So I think it's a combination of all. The next pillar is restoration. This centers around the common problems and ailments people experience that can be corrected with surgery. So the restoration um, depends on really what you need. So someone comes to me like the, the picture I just showed you, right? They need a full restoration, functional and aesthetics. So I have to remove all that extra tissue, close everything, create the aesthetic so that it looks good, but then functionally so the person can poop and then engage anally, right? Um, and then Botox I use a lot. Post-surgery, what happens is if you have a cut in your ass, your ass stays so tight. It's just the nature of the muscle. So giving Botox allows for it to relax so it could heal the right way. And then you have Botox on board so that you could start to engage and get back to what you want. You know, I tell people the muscle that's there is 99.9% .9 of the time in contraction mode, right? It's always closed. So you have to work that and dilate that and stretch that. You can't go from nothing to something big fast. It's just going to get hurt and injured. So I think that that brings us full circle to the education piece, which is how do we talk to people about this in a professional way? We can have fun, we could poke fun and make fun of it, but we also want to tell people, hey, these are the right ways if you want to engage anally. How do we get you there successfully? Because still people feel that anal sex should be painful. That's like, people are like, well, shouldn't it be painful? Like, no, anal sex should be like totally pleasurable. And it may take you four to six weeks of dilating and stretching and getting into the, you know, the groove of how the muscle and the skin function. But then after that, it should be like you're on heaven or in heaven. <laughs> Okay, so when someone comes to you normally, is it 
they're fine and they're just being self-conscious or there's an issue? Usually there's an issue. I'd say about 80 to 90% of the time there's an issue. Um, and most of it has to do with the functionality or the aesthetic side of it or a combination of both. But they're hindered in life that they can't engage the way that they want to. And I think it's interesting because it's a also it's like a psychosocial and physical component of all of this. Um, and so, yeah, they come to me, they're hurt, they're injured, they're bleeding, they're having problems, they can't engage the way that they want to, and then we fix them. You know, we do the analysis in the office, um, see where we're at. A lot of times I can just do some stuff either in the office or provide them with creams, lotions, and then kind of go from there. I have a really great team in the office. We have a physical therapist, uh, Steve uh, Lavender, who's there. Um, I have a urologist in the office. And we do a lot of kind of just pelvic floor evaluations. We study muscles to figure out like, well, how tight is this or how loose is this? That's another thing. A lot of people that are into fisting um, or bigger toys uh, come to me with excess skin or they're too loose. They lose sensations where they're not engaging the way they want to and feeling it or their partners are not getting off the way that they used to. So then I'm able to do some tightening and rejuvenation, restoration all on that to pull everything in. So it's a kind of a gamut of just sexual dysfunction that then we're able to now make functional. The last pillar of Dr. Goldstein's practice is reconstruction. This is sort of like the add-on section of the menu. Reconstruction is about bringing in aesthetic pleasure or heightened functionality after the restoration period has healed. It's kind of like a facelift, but for your butt. It's hard not to ask an anal surgeon about his idea of the perfect hole, in the same way you might ask a facial surgeon to describe the perfect nose. At the end of the day, like almost everything else, it's mostly up to your personal preference. The PC answer is, I think everybody's perfection is different, right? Some people like hair, some people don't, some people like extra folds and like that person that I showed you the picture of everything coming out, the insides like blooming, people love that. People want to play with that. So it's interesting to me, like what my definition of perfection is, but I, I have a picture of perfection. You want me to show that to you? I do. And then you want me to describe it. I need you it. to describe it for everyone who can't see it. So I think this one is a very good asshole. How do I get that one? I know. Why don't you describe that? <laughs> it looks like a tight belly button <laughs> on a very flat stomach. <laughs> it looks like as it does. But but would you play with that? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, me too. Holy fuck. I mean, it's Wait, pretty amazing. Wait, was this a surgery though? Or was no, this? No, 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 okay. I can't make that. This is our oh, creator. Great. This is our creator. I can't do that. You've got a lot of work to do that. You gotta know. get to that point. That's pretty fucking unbelievable. And what did you say when this person came in? Did they need treatment? No, they, okay. they did not need treatment. But they came in because from just an evaluation, making sure everything's working and functional. But- is that pretty amazing? That person came in because they wanted you to say, like, best one I've ever seen. Can maybe, I take a picture? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Probably. Oh, come on. <laughs> but but why not? If you have the best asshole, great. Send me your pictures. I'll I'll, I'll evaluate it and give you my, my score. <laughs> 
do you is this it, is a hundred is it like rotten tomatoes you're like you get a hundred yes you're a hundred percent fresh <laughs> this will be the pride scoring <laughs> oh my god yeah that is a good one though okay so that one's perfect to me yes but again i told you that the reality is is that every time i think i see it all someone else comes in with something else and they love it and it is what it is and some guy has what i think is a really perfect ass but the smallest little thing and he's like take it off and then there's someone who has i mean the most disgusting hole i would think and they're like my partners love licking it and biting it and playing with it leave everything alone <laughs> and, he, was going, he was going and <laughs> okay what are you gonna say you support i support whatever you guys want you just tell me what you want i'll do it Plastic surgery in your bum, whether restorative or cosmetic, is inherently different from other forms of plastic surgery. You know, it's it's not like a facelift. The ass lift, the ass, you it takes a long time to heal because you have to poop. You know, so like if you do a facelift, how the face, how you're kind of suturing it is exactly how it heals for the most part. With the ass, you're moving around, you're sitting, you're shitting, you're doing all these things. So I'm trying to anticipate how I know it's gonna heal four to six weeks down the road. And that's the difference. It's just like looking at it, say, all right, this is not how it is now, but I know from scarring in this location and that location that this is how it's gonna potentially heal and then get it there. Make sense? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so what is, for you, what is the most rewarding part? Is it that you can create something go aesthetically, that's how it's supposed to look, or, is it the person and how they feel? Like the one you showed me, you said that person was very happy, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. I think that uh, the main issue is to get people back to what they want. And I think that that's what's so cool is that I am super easygoing in terms of when someone comes into the office that like, you tell me anything you want, I don't care. I'm more than happy. The goal for me is how do I support that and how do I get you back to what you want? Right. Um, and that is, that's what's the difference. You know, an asshole is an asshole, right? But it's the person behind the asshole, literally, where I'm able to impact their lives. And, you know, I'm so, it's unbelievable. Like when, you know, a simple thing, what I think is a simple procedure, and then they now are able to engage anally, which they haven't ever been able to, or, that they were and then they had issues and now they have it for 10, 15, 20 years. And then I do a surgery and in two and a half months, they're back to bottoming and they're like, Evan, this is awesome. You know, um, that to me gets me up every day because did I want to play with assholes every day of my life? <laughs> Not really, but but it it I said, you know what? A hole's a hole, but we're impacting so many people by doing that. And that is super a feel good you know for me every day of my life to get people where they want to go so one of the like the i guess you'd say something we do on every show is we always ask the guest about their highest high mm -hmm. and then about their lowest low after that and how they overcame that can sure. you talk about your highest high whether it's professionally or personally or whatever that is for you yeah i think now i'm living the highest high of kind of both being personally in a really great space with me and andy and the two kids, um, 
having Phoenix and Sebastian for me has really allowed me to see what's important in life. But I think it's all come full circle because professionally, people are talking about anal sex now. We're able to really educate and kind of take the taboo out of it. Popular press is really covering everything right now and kind of it's driving the field and I'm pioneering it in a really great way. And it's so fun to be able to do that on a personal level and on a private perspective. I think my lowest of low was probably going through my divorce. Um, you know, especially coming out, it was hard to come out to myself first, um, and then obviously come out to everybody else, um, and also to hurt somebody, right? I mean, you know, it's interesting you're going through, and I should have ended one thing before I started another thing. But, you know, you're in your 20s, you don't really know, and you don't realize how it's impacting not only her, but her family and also my family, right? Um, and so now in my 40s, you look back and you say that that was a pretty low time. I mean, I lost 45 pounds. Um, I looked like shit. I felt like shit. And my mother called me and she's like, you know, I wrote a list of a couple of things that we think are wrong with you. Number one, are you dying? Um, and number two was, are you gay? And then like when she said that, I lost my everything, right? But I gained everything at the same time. Um, but it was a tough two-year transition and the lowest of lows you learn from it. Thankfully, she's remarried, um, has kids of her own, and it seems like she's in a great spot, which is good. Dr. Goldstein started to dive deep into analyzing people's sexual practices, he realized that there were a lot of risks for STDs, HPV, and HIV, plus a lot of opportunities for injury just from a lack of education. Um, and in doing that, I started to realize that like people are preparing for engagement the wrong way people are actually engaging the wrong way. And then everybody, nobody's actually taking care of it just like we do facials and we're doing all these to restore face. People aren't taking care of the anal region to get better at bottoming and live longer bottoming, right? Um, and so that spawned off me saying, well, what products are out there to support how communities engage? And then I realized that really none, none that are actually scientifically proven to actually help our engagements. Um, and that's where Future Method came from. Um, our first product that's out there is an anal douche solution. Um, and it's all based on the philosophy that water, which most people use, is actually bad for you. When you look at water or you look at a store-bought enema, both of those solutions actually get rid of the appropriate lining inside um, and injure the cells. And so the cells actually die, and then you now have no protective layer because of that. You engage anally, which is traumatic in its own right, and then you have higher risk of STDs and HIV. Plain and simple. But water is free. People think it's clean. It's like the best branding in the world, right? Um, and you don't feel it. So people don't think that there's a problem. 
But yet, when I look inside, you see more mucus, you see irritation, you see scarring, you see a lot of internal issues that I would know what people are using to clean out. They're either using water by a bulb or they're using a shower hose. I can tell by looking in someone what they're doing and how frequently they're doing it because you get to see the trauma associated with it. So I said, well, can't we make something that's not traumatic? And that was what was the impetus for Future Method and started that to say, well, we're, nobody's using condoms anymore. So is that the end all? No, we should say, if you're not using condoms, great. All the power to you. Let's come up with other things that we can do to mitigate your risk. And one of them right now is that anal douche solution. So when you think of waters on one side and a fleet edema or a store-bought enemas on the other side, we really want our solution to be in the middle. It's called isotonic, which basically means it comes into contact with the cell, it cleans the area, but it doesn't harm the cell. It leaves the cell alone. And that's what we want. We want the protective layer to be, still be present. We want the microbiome, the good bacteria and the bad bacteria to stay exactly where it is. We still want you to feel clean. We want you to feel sexy. We want you to feel soothed in the area and we want you to have great sex. But we also want you to do it to mitigate your risk. And that is where the science of sex behind Future Method spawned. Um, and now it's really great. I mean, we we've, have a lot of scientists working with us. We analyze communities. We look at how do we create different changes and products to support that community um, and bring it onto a scientific level where how are we actually making impactful change? And that to us is, is super awesome. Super excited to bring it to everybody. So in addition to future method, you know, there's a lot of other products, maybe fiber supplements. Are those things you recommend? Like, what would you recommend to someone who wants to feel sexy and clean all the time in addition to douching? Yeah. Is there anything they can do? Yeah, totally. I think you have to do other things. It's multifactorial for sure. You know, um, a lot of people look at douching as an end all, but the reality is, is if you're douching more than one or two or three rinses, um, you're over douching. And overdouching itself is too much volume at one go, or obviously those solutions of water or store-bought enema, um, or the shower hoses a lot of people are using are causing so much trauma. And the reality is, is that all of those douching solutions go way higher than what they need to. The average cock goes into one position. That itself is not higher up. So a lot of times people are, let's say they're cleaning one or two times and they're like, oh, I want to do one more time. The third time they start to see stool. Well, it's because it went too high. It actually didn't go the area where it was supposed to go. Some people are using douching as an only way to clean out. And the reality is that, no, you're right. You need to have an appropriate diet. Fiber supplementation is great. We work very closely with Take-Two and Pure for Men, who I think I really like taking that. Um, I think the balance between that and exercise and what you eat and analyzing everything, especially on bottoming days. Well, if it was not the right time from a bottoming perspective, why not? How do we get your body into a good rhythm so that you are using douching the right way? Most people don't even need to douche. And if you don't, that's great. The problem is, is that we have this phobia of shit. 
right? Everybody is like, oh my God, it's, you know, then that phobia from a bottom perspective creates significant anxiety. Um, and so with that said, I understand why everybody's doing it. Now I could finally endorse a product that is safe and is actually effective at gently cleansing without being harmful. Um, and that's super awesome from that perspective. The the best is we're just gonna keep going, more products. We have tons of products that are being scientifically analyzed for the, for this community to say, hey, how do we just get things better and hit those categories of how do you prepare for sex the right way? How do you actually engage? What's the right lubes to use, right? Everyone always asks me that. Silicon, water-based, which types, how to do it, all that stuff. Well, there is a science behind it. And now Future Method is really kind of pioneering that to make sure everybody's doing things safely. So what is the best lube to use? You don't have to say brand, but- Yeah, I think it depends on what you're using it for. Most people will agree, and I do as well, that silicon is the best currently for anal engagement. Um, Water-based lubes and or hybrids are really great for toys. Um, they're a lot easier to clean up. So a lot of people do use them sexually, which I think is great. The problem is, is that water-based ones are similar to the water-based only solution of douches. They have this, what's called hypotonicity, where they cause cell issues. So stay tuned for kind of the future months of where we are, because the reality is, is that there are lubes coming out that support that, where they have the lubricity, you're able to engage the way that you want to, but you're not compounding that, right? Because now you have, let's say you're douching the wrong way, not using the right solution, plus you're using a lubricant that doesn't support that. Now, all of a sudden, your STD and HIV risks are much greater, and also kind of the progression of injuries and all of that. So I think a lot of it is looking at all of these in a really different light of how do we support everybody to engage exactly the way that they want to and not being harmful for long-term effects. Now that we've covered lubes and douching, what else is there to know about whole health? Our producer, Ryan, knows a guy who does a coffee enema every morning. It's not him. No, we won't tell you his name, but we had to know. What's the deal with enemas? The ass is... Uh resilient, but it is also a great absorption. So what happens is that a lot of people use it for chemotherapy or delivery devices for medications. Um, and coffee is no different, right? The caffeine, uh, the, um, the cleaning effect of kind of feeling invigorated by doing that. The problem is if you do it daily, um, it changes all the things that we spoke about. Now, a lot of those people that are doing that aren't engaging anally. So they may not necessarily truly have the, the true ramifications of that. But what happens is, is that with anything, overdouching, enemas, or this, if you're using that to actually have a bowel movement, what happens is, is that it's like a balloon. Over time, it stretches so much that it can't recoil back. And the muscle that's there um, starts to become so weak that you can't shit on your own anymore. You actually need to use something to augment that, whether that's laxatives, or um, enemas or doing that where it becomes a lifelong dependency. <clears throat> and then what also happens is you could get this thing called rectal prolapse, which is similar to the picture I showed you, but it's a lot worse, where actually the insides totally are coming out. And that's just from douche dependency. I see a lot. And then that is 
a lot of fisters, big toys, plus overdouching, you can get so much distension that it just doesn't function the way that it's supposed to. And you gotta tuck it all back in and then yeah. stitch it up pretty. But Sorry. coffee enemas, a lot of people do that. A lot of people do like other oil enemas and things like that. Um, because the absorption is so great there, you feel so good. That's what's so interesting because from a tactile perspective, you know, if you feel it, you're like, this has got to be great because it's just a, it's just a coffee rush, you know. Um, but a lot of people do love it. Have you done it? I have not done a coffee enema. No. As Dr. Goldstein mentioned earlier, a lot of our health is tied to keeping our anal microbiome in balance. We all have good and bad bacteria in there. When they're in homeostasis, they're symbiotic, and we need both. But once you start engaging anally, that imbalance changes, and especially with douching, and douching with the wrong solutions, over-douching, all of that. So what happens is, I don't love the term bad bacteria, because it connotates that anal sex is bad. Um, so the abnormal bacteria or the bad bacteria starts to overpopulate. And actually you can swab, we're working, we worked very close with University of Miami and University of Pittsburgh at that time. They have shown studies where you could actually swab random gays and you could tell who is a bottom or not just by the anal swab that they're doing. And it's because the bacteria is actually different. And that bacteria that's different is what causes STD and HIV transmission because of that. So the key is how do you not alter that microbiome? How do you keep it exactly what it should be? And it's not not engaging anally because why would we want to do that? I think it's now looking at it to say, we all are engaging anally and that's awesome and all the power to everybody. But how do we now have the science and the products to make sure that we are not altering it in a bad way. An easy way to negatively alter your microbiome? Overdouching. It's completely understandable to want to feel clean. Douching in moderation is great. In fact, that's why Dr. Goldstein created Future Method, a pH-balanced disposable douche specifically formulated to keep your microbiome happy. But overdoing it can have a lot of negative effects. So when you think of douching, um, it's interesting when you look from a community practice, a lot of people are using bulbs or shower hoses um, and they're excessively cleaning because of that phobia and those pressures. With that said, forget the solution aside, just over douching. A lot of the bulbs that are out there are way too much volume. They're just way too big. Um, they don't actually go into the canal the right way. They're actually going higher. And when you go higher, what winds up happening is, is that um, you are gonna get shit because that's where shit lives. Um, so I think understanding the anatomy for everybody is that the area where cock will enter is actually not that big. And that area is notoriously usually empty of stool. If you're going to the bathroom regularly, you're using appropriate fiber, diet, exercise. I tell people all the time, prove it to yourself. Don't douche and use a toy. See where it's at. Pull the toy out. Get a white toy. I mean, I don't know what, what you want to do. Prove to yourself where you're understanding your anatomy, and then you can slowly start to understand that less is actually more. And so with Future Method, the bulb is smaller, much smaller, because the reality is, is that that over-douching 
causes trauma. That trauma gets rid of the lining, changes the bacteria, gives you a higher propensity for STDs and HIV and causes a lot more injury. And so the thought process is, how do we take back the understanding of douching, bringing the scientific side of it plus the product side into it and making sure that people understand. Now, I know that a lot of listeners are like, I've been doing this for 20 years this way and my ass is clean this way. Yeah, I get it. The problem I have is that you've been doing it wrong. And the reality is, is that the problem is that most people can't feel like they're doing it wrong because the sensation there is not telling them that. So I see it on a day-to-day -day basis of where these complications are coming from, and they're coming from the preparation of sex. So I implore everybody to look at how they're performing just the preparation act and trying to figure out how you can use some of the scientific knowledge that we've acquired to say, oh, you know what? Yeah, less is more. Let me try it. Let's see what we can do. Because the reality is, is that with the right solution, with the right fiber and the eating and all of that, you probably are completely overdouching and causing so much trauma to the area. And if you're doing that two times a week, the average most person is like 1.8 times a week, over years of bottoming, you're gonna be causing so much detriment to that area. And the reality is, is that you didn't even need to do it. Um, and so those concepts we're trying to educate. And I think, you know, looking at Future Method, we're at futuremethod.com. We sell uh, three packs and 12 packs um, for people to really get a chance to try everything out. Everyone comes with a fresh new bulb so that you don't have to think about from a cleaning perspective. Obviously, stool is dirty, so minimizing that issues. Um, and the main key for us is how do we educate and how do we talk about all of these issues that our community is having and then come up with solutions together. So we have a really great educational platform. We have really great community-based forums. A lot of that is also about blogging and bringing a lot of scientists together. Um, and I think, you know, we really want the community to be empowered and that is a two-way street. So listeners, get out there and engage with the butt health community. You can follow both Bespoke Surgical and Future Method on Instagram. Dr. Goldstein does a lot of blogging on medium.com with Tales from the Tail. You can read about people's stories coming into his office and then how they tackled them. At the end of the day, the goal is to let members of the community know you are not alone. There are people out there just like Dr. Goldstein that want to support you and get you to wherever you want to be. You can also follow Dr. Goldstein himself. Yeah, so I mean, if you want to follow my crazy life with two kids and Andy who doesn't smile um, and assholes all mixed into one, <laughs> um, that's at Dr. Dr. Evan Goldstein on Instagram. Um, and then the other handles deal with Bespoke Surgical and The Future Method on Facebook and Instagram. So his Instagram is really fun because you'll be scrolling through it and you'll be like, oh, kids in the park on a carousel, ass. Kids in the park having ice cream, ass. Kids on a swing, ass. Yes, it's going to be quite interesting as they get a little bit older. <laughs> Try to be like, what is daddy doing? What do you do? I'm very confused. <laughs> And then your it, husband or your partner is going to be like, oh, here we go. Yes, exactly. Say, well, it is what it is. It's giving you this life.
Thanks for listening. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. It's that easy. At Pride. You can follow me at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. Let me find this asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of pictures of assholes. I'm so sorry. Oh, here.